This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Tuesday, April 11th. Here's your forecast for today. A mixture of sun and cloud, a slight breeze, and a high of 20 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, Rogers makes a deal to bring cellular service to the TTC. Number two, the Blue Jays stage their home opener at the newly renovated Rogers Center. Number three, leaked Pentagon documents compromise Ukraine security. Number four, more than half of Canadians admit they're not saving enough for retirement. And number five, Max the dog is officially up for adoption. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Now, Robert Turner takes a sensitive ear for people to hear what you just did there, but I'm just in the process of patching things up with Doug Ford. Oh. He will not be amused. Why? That's legendary. Uh, it is. It's uh, one of my favorite moments because it was just, it was so unguarded. It was somebody asking a gotcha question or whatever, and Doug Ford, oh, yeah. Oh. Um, anyway, that was Doug Ford 1.0, I think. We've got Doug Ford 2.0, and now 2.2. Um, but listen, lots of things to talk about today. Your big story is definitely something that broke last night, and that is that Rogers has made a deal. Now, this is not complicated, but it's multi-stage. Let's just put it that way. Because for, I think it's 10 years from years now, uh, BAI Communications has offered cell phone service in tunnels on the subway. And not all of them, as a matter of fact. Mostly, I think this is, actually, I think it's restricted to the Young University line, and I think it's only the lower U. Um, and, of course, that's why everybody else, people who subscribe to TELUS, Bell, and Rogers, wait until the subway going north pops out of the Bloor station, and all of a sudden, everybody's on their phone, updating their Twitter, making a call, tech, desperately texting, because you've only got two sta- one station, actually, officially. Um, but there's a stretch to the Rosedale station, and then a stretch from Rosedale on your way to Summerhill, where you're outdoors, and everybody's frantically trying to catch up. So, trying to shorten the story here, what happened was BAI got the deal, and I think it's, was it Wind or Freedom? It was Freedom that signed on with them to provide cell phone service, but Freedom is a small provider. And Bell, Telus, and Rogers were not able to make a deal that was satisfying to all, and so everybody was SOL, and then nothing happened, and nothing happened, and nothing happened. Now, I don't think Rogers made a deal to buy BAI in 10 days. So with all due respect to Anna Bailao, would-be mayor of Toronto, I'm not sure that her announcement, matter of fact, on our show, that she was going to make that one of her campaign planks to bring full-on cell phone service to the TTC. I don't know that Rogers necessarily sat up and said, we've got to do this now. Now, there may be a lot of things that have played into this. Um, one thing you've got to note, though, I know some people are saying, good, now we can call 911. You can call 911 on any cell phone service, to the best of my knowledge, because if you look at your cell phone when you're in the TTC, there's a little button up on the upper right side that says SOS. Um, but this will provide ample opportunity for people to do everything else they might do on a cell phone. You'll be able to text, you'll be able to uh, surf the, the web, you'll be able to do some email maybe while you're on your way to work or on your way home. 
And it will also lead to, and Joe Cristiano, I don't know if this is the situation you've experienced in New York, but all sorts of people chattering away and something that drives me crazy, which is people in public who talk on, uh, on speaker. So the cell phone service does work at the stations in New York City, but in the tunnel, not so much. So I don't think you can really have a full-on conversation. You can have really fast conversations. Yeah, yeah. you can talk for okay, one I'm, minute. I'm, 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 you have 45 seconds till the doors close. It's like the calls my parents used to place back in the day when there was a drop rate that kicked in, I think, after like 10 seconds on, on long distance. So you'd make a long distance call and you'd say, we got home, everything's fine, bye. Well, we're back in the day where you'd make the collect call from the payphone. Yes. You have a collect call from you. You, you got to pick me up right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All the things that uh, mercifully don't exist anymore, but everybody still remembers. And I have to say, one of the most tedious things these days on social media is when people post a picture of somebody and say, only old people know what this is. Yes, fine. I mean, post a picture picture of of you know the holy grail whatever i mean yes okay i get it people age and so a lot of kids don't understand that we used to have cassette tapes and we used to fix them with pencils um but there's no real received wisdom or special preciousness about that so uh back to rogers the thing is it's going to take about two years apparently to build this in and the big question which brad bradford running for mayor says is that's not fast enough yeah. Really? I think he's also complaining about the 10 years that we didn't have this, but yes. Okay. But I mean, he's he's all, we need less talk, more action. Well, well the thing is- I don't know what he knows about building a complicated cell network in a subway tunnel, but it might take two years. Well, and Annie ba- Anna Bailao, I think, is going to be taking a victory lap today, or has yeah. she already- Yeah. Yes, there's going to be a media availability later. Because actually- it plays fairly well for her, but at the same time, when you say, we must do this, uh, we did it. Oh, okay. Well, then we must do something else. I was at a lunch yesterday with a whole bunch of people who are very active in politics and media, and it was fascinating to hear their take. We'll talk about it a little later. Uh, some of them are actually working on campaigns, but they we sort of drew up our top five list of the things that the candidates need to talk about and then the other question was what do any of these candidates most of whom are qualified to be mayor but may not really be the titan that we need right now in a difficult time for our city so what kind of attitude would get them across the finish line in this election and I would say, I don't want to speak on behalf of these people, but I'm not identifying them. I would say the consensus was that the guy to beat is Mark Saunders. Because right now in Toronto, as we have it, people would like to have a guy who they're familiar with, who has already run something big, and who might be able to restore some order to this town. I certainly think he has a great talking point when he says, we have let disorder become normal in this town. Yeah, but he, he hasn't, unless I, I you've heard it and I haven't, followed up with how he's going to end that. No, no. Because you're running for Show mayor, not, not police chief. So if you're the mayor, you can't really tell the police what to do. Also, he was the police chief. So people are kind of saying, hey, dude, if there's disorder in this town, <laughs> some of that happened on your watch. time for what Toronto is talking about. Good morning. News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, so this is a hot mayoral topic and it looks like Rogers is going to take over the TDC subway cell phone service after acquiring BAI Communications Inc. 
This is definitely a story that everybody's talking about, perhaps even on their phone. But <laughs> Rogers is buying out the company that has supplied the infrastructure to have cell phone service in subway tunnels. Only problem is that the big companies did not make a deal. So all you had was one small provider and everybody else was blacked out. Now, it's going to take two years. And one of the big question marks is mm. obviously this will service Rogers clients. But then there's TELUS and Bell. And will they make a deal with Rogers? Currently in the U of the Young University, line, you can still make a 911 call, but a lot mm. of people would like to be surfing the web and making a call. Yeah, it is an expanding subway system as well, and uh, you're right now it only covers about 25%. All right, and turning to this, John, uh, a Markham Mosque that was the uh, the victim of an incident of suspected uh, hate crimes, uh, the officials there are calling on the Ford government to combat Islamophobia. As a matter of fact, Muslims across Canada are making that call. When you consider that this is only the latest attack, we had the family of four who were run down in London, the Quebec City mosque attack that left six dead. Uh, we're learning this morning of an incident in Montreal where a mosque was vandalized and a caretaker was threatened. So, yes, the uh, Markham Mosque officials are definitely calling on the Ford administration to do something about Islamophobia. There was previous legislation, but it died in the order paper. Hmm. All right. And we've been talking about this for a long time. It's been a pressing issue, the rising cost of living. And more, now more than half of Canadians, I guess, there's a report out saying that they aren't saving enough money for retirement. Yeah, I met with a financial planner recently who said, what are your plans? And I said, just keep me out of the cat food. So about <laughs> half of Canadians, 52%, say they're unprepared for their retirement. And there was a similar study yesterday that was about what are people spending their money on. And it found that more people are spending money on their adult children than they are saving for retirement on a month-by-month -month basis. 50% of Canadians surveyed said they plan to have a gig job when mm. they retire. 36% of respondents between the ages of 18 and 54 say they probably will never retire at all. Wow, it's really hitting everyone. And, you know, you talked about keeping you out of the cat food. I just saw a commercial recently about dog food and how they want to give dogs fresh food so you can keep it in the fridge. Uh, but this is a perfect segue into our next story. We talked about Max, the dog yesterday, who was abandoned in a Toronto park yet, and he is officially going up for adoption. I'm a softie for dogs, mm -hmm. and Max is a total cutie. The Humane Society managed to track down his family, and you'll remember Max was abandoned with a note that said he's a very good dog. Can you please find him a new home? Originally, the thinking was, well, we'll foster him, and maybe this family gets back on its feet, and we can give Max back. But the family has said, we just don't think we can do this. So uh, Max is officially up for adoption. And as a matter of fact, as uh, as of yesterday, there were already like three families lined up to adopt him because he looks adorable. Yeah, he is absolutely adorable, and hopefully he finds his forever home soon. And finally, this, John, today is April 11th. I can't believe it's come upon us so quickly. Toronto fans, uh, what can they expect at the Blue Jays' home opener tonight when they take on the Detroit Tigers? There is a thrum in the air, and for many reasons. One, first home game. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Two, it's the Jays, and we wish them well. Uh, three would be the renovations at the Rogers Center. And one of the interesting things about these renovations is a few people are grousing about them because they've created some concourses that are almost like outdoor patios, which mm -hmm. is a very convivial thing, but it also encourages people to pay absolutely no attention <laughs> to the game. And then finally, the last aspect to celebrate in our city is how many people are going to be downtown, how many people are going to be generating 
spending money in the economy, going to bars, watching it on television. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's an exciting day. Yeah, it really is, and it's all interconnected. I, I like those little social concourses. It's much like the ballparks in the U.S., right? So we're really getting a, a modern upgrade. Mm -hmm. All right, and uh, hey, oh, there's Bill. <laughs> a fan hey. of baseball. Hey, <laughs> yeah, you bet. All right, I'm excited. Bill. To, uh, to uh, Bill is the weather guy, as you know, because he joins us from time to time, and he's a big baseball fan, so he's certainly excited. I'm not sure if he's going to the game. I guess I'll find out. I would have loved to go to the home opener, but I've uh, reached the point where I'm a grumpy old man, and I can't stay up past my bedtime, so I wanted to wait for the first home game that will be an afternoon game, and then uh, hopefully a whole bunch of us can go and enjoy it. But uh, Joe Cristiano, what, um, you, it was observed during our segment on CP24 that the renos at the Rogers Center are similar to things that have been done in U.S. baseball parks. How has that gone over? Well, at City Field, for instance, I find myself waiting in line for Shake Shack rather than actually watching the Mets blow it. <laughs> okay. Certainly, you know, I was at a uh, hockey game a while back, and we were in one of those loges. And everybody was just talking and snacking and drinking and paying no attention to the game. And finally, I thought, no, I got to go down and sit on the chairs where you're actually dedicated to watching the game and let's consume this. But it's a problem. More so, I find, for the Maple Leafs than for the Blue Jays that a lot of people, like if you check after, uh, you know, between uh, periods at a hockey game, it takes about... 10 minutes for some of the seats in the elite areas to refill because everybody goes off to the dining hall or to the bar. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. So that poll, and I realize this is entirely trivial, but it's enjoyable nonetheless. And also, I always get scolded in the wintertime for when I start talking about how I can't wait for spring and people say, why haven't you gone skating and skiing? Why don't you enjoy this? We're Canadians. Okay, so how much do Canadians like winter? And let's face it, it's kind of like the way an Anglo who grows up in Quebec will complain about all the different levels of oppression and microaggressions and whatever else. And then the minute they get out of Quebec, they practically become a separatist. It's like, well, here's why Quebec's different. Here's why some people are nationalist. And Canadians are always like, oh, look at you. You only got two centimeters of snow and you can't drive. Yes, because we don't normally get any snow and nobody has winter tires and we don't do snow removal and salting. So Canadians always boast about, well, it was minus 20 the other day and we had 30 centimeters of snow. But as a matter of fact, Canadians don't really like winter all that much. Uh, majority of Canadians like neither winter nor snow. Less than 5% chose winter as their preferred season. What's your favorite season? Uh, more than 48% rank summer as their favorite season, followed by spring, 25%, and fall, 21%. Uh, in Ontario, where we've just been through the darkest winter in years, in 73 years, nearly 60% of respondents agreed with the statement, I don't like winter. Now, when it comes to people ranking their favorite seasons, that's a bit of a, you know, sometimes polls are about stupid things. I mean, of course you're going to like summer. Everyone's going to prefer summer unless you have some sort of a disorder. Um, but winter is more so, even if it's not the most popular season, it's to be endured. And so, yes, you strap on the skates, you play outdoor hockey, um, you go skiing, you have the hot chocolate in the fireplace. So, you know, 
No, winter doesn't need to run a popularity contest and outdo summer. It just has to be a period of time where we figure out how to accommodate all the miseries of winter. And I know your favorite season is pumpkin spice season. Oh, God. See, I always say I don't like winter so much that it ruins fall. And, um, yeah, the fall and the cable knit sweaters and the pumpkin spice, um, no. Thank but you, you can get into the flavored coffees in the winter. I know that's also, no. you enjoy that. Yeah, Coffees are not to be flavored. And mulled wine is an abomination. So it's hard to overstate how interesting a story this is, that Rogers is taking over the company that had until now been the exclusive rights holder to provide cell phone service in TTC tunnels. And actually, this is also the company that provides the internet service, the Wi-Fi service when you're in a station. And you've probably had this experience where you start signing on and the subway arrives and it goes like three, two, one, and the doors to the subway open. It's no time to get anything done. And then station after station, you pull in and you get connectivity on the Wi-Fi again as the subway is speeding up and leaving the station. So in the future, you're going to have full-on data, full-on cellular. If you are a Rogers client, and I imagine if you're a Freedom client as well, because they're the only people right now owing to their deal with BIA. Um, so then the big question mark is going to be, and I imagine we're going to answer this question today or in the coming days, where Bell and Telus are going to say, yeah. Although there's probably some pretty delicate negotiations. I mean, the thing is, Rogers... And Bell have all kinds of deals already. They co-own things. And, you know, so they're not um, alien to the idea of finding a way to collaborate. And then you get into the business of, and I, I don't even know how this works out, but um, a lot of the infrastructure for the original cell phone networks was built by one or two companies. And then every, everybody else just piggybacked on. And it, it's almost like a road toll. You know, you make a deal, you pay for the space that you're using on that network, and then you provide your own company. But anyway, uh, without going on for too long, I guess it's just that there's so many aspects to this deal. When do you get it? Not for another two years. Who's that annoying? Brad Bradford, apparently. Who's very excited about this? Anna Bailao, because only 10 days ago she said we should do this. However, I'm told... And then in, everyone at Rogers said, oh my God, let's go buy it. Yeah. Um, apparently negotiations have been going on for a year. So, and who knows? I mean, Anna Bailao is a clever person and she is a businesswoman. Maybe she actually knew that. So, you know, she called for something she knew was imminent. I know I got a tip off yesterday morning, but I was told it was off the record. And also, it didn't seem like the timeline was so fast that the announcement was going to come last night, which it did. So uh, you can, in the U, so south of Bloor on the Young University line, you can already call 911. Uh, if you have wind or freedom, same company, you have full cell phone connectivity. If you have Rogers and Wind Freedom, you will have that probably within two years. And then we'll find out later on whether or not the other people are going to sign on. So the, um, the people at that Markham Mosque, I know it says in the coverage here, officials. I don't know if they count as officials. I mean, the thing about the uh, Muslim faith is you may have imams who are 
you know, responsible for leading worship and I guess have sort of the same responsibilities that a parish priest might have, but there's no official hierarchy or leadership. So the idea that the Markham Mosque officials call on Ford government to combat Islamophobia, but there are growing calls for action. And one of the big questions, and it's on our agenda today for uh, the morning brief and the roundtables, is they would like government to pay for security at mosques. And the thing is, probably a lot of mosques have had security for a good long time. I know that a lot of, if not all, Jewish synagogues have usually paid duty cops or private security guards, but they pay for it. So should the government pay for that? Uh, here is one of the individuals who was uh, speaking yesterday. This is the president of the Islamic Society of Markham. I did not expect to be here in front of you talking about this issue. On Thursday, April 6th, at the time of the dawn prayer, an individual came to our masjid. While I will not provide too many factual details, as this matter is still under police investigation, I will note the following. This individual, an individual that we understand is not of our faith, did a number of Islamophobic acts. He threatened to burn down our mosque. He uttered slurs about the Prophet, may peace be upon him, and he uttered slurs about terrorism. Most concerningly, he tried to ram our congregants with his vehicle. This attack was captured on video. It was shocking. It could have res resulted in serious injury, or God forbid, even fatalities. Meanwhile, as I was telling our friends over at CP24, in Montreal on Sunday, there was um, a mosque that was vandalized. And then it says the suspect threw, somebody went outside and engaged a suspect who said something Islamophobic and was holding a shovel. The suspect threw the shovel on the ground, chased the young man and tried to hit him with another object. And so this is just part of a pattern. And, you know, I don't know if, if government should pay for security, to be honest. You can text me at 71010. I mean, religious institutions can raise money tax-free and they're never taxed on anything. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know why, because some people hate Jews and hate Muslims, that they should have to spend, you know, 50,000, who knows how much a year just to keep their congregants safe. You look thoughtful, Robert Turner. Well, yeah, because I mean, I get it. It would be a really expensive thing to do. But at the same time, we kind of have a responsibility to keep people safe and people have a, a right to practice their religion. Um, so, you know, even if it's not the full cost, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest we do something. Right. But then government's not responsible for uh, keeping the peace at sporting events, is it? I mean, we did. We I. I believe those are all paid duty cops. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know how that all works. I imagine it's it's paid for by the individual organization. But again, I think it's a more public thing than it's not a it's not a profit making endeavor. It's part of the community. You know, if a community center was under threat, if a school was under threat, that we wouldn't expect them to pay for it. Right. So I think it would go into the policing budget. Persuasive argument. Although we're getting to the point where if we're going to redeploy eighty police officers to. The subway system, or not just right. subway, actually, and the TTC. The, and and the then we're going to hit every yeah. mosque and uh, and pay for the paid duty cops who are at synagogues on Friday and Saturday. And on and on it goes. And I, I would love to know what the motive in this case was. Um, you know, they say it is not terror. It would seem this is a demonstrably unstable person, which seems to be the theme when people attack institutions. 
But at the same time, that's no less dangerous if a guy is trying to run you down with a car. It doesn't really matter if he suffers from mental illness or he just hates your faith. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. I will get to kind of an explainer on the Pentagon documents because it's one of those stories where it's sort of, you know, unless you spent yesterday reading the New York Times, you probably aren't all that up to speed, but you're saying, okay, but does it matter? And it does um, for a lot of reasons. Somebody leaked some documents from the Pentagon, and these are documents that don't get seen by a lot of people. So I have to think this person's going to get busted. It's not one of those cases where you could argue well, yeah, but they leak documents, they compromise the government, but they expose hypocrisy or policies that are actually damaging to America. No, these are documents that undermine the weaknesses of Ukraine and its fight against Russia. And I don't know if it's anything the Russians don't know, but the Russians are quite gleeful about it. However, a lot of the documents, as is the case these days in leaks, have already been doctored, so it's hard to know what the original content was. For example, in one case, they swapped the death figures because way more Russians have been killed in this than Ukrainians, and they swapped it around to make it look more damaging for the Ukrainians. So um, the 911 calls. And I wish in Canada that we released 911 calls because I'd like to hear some of the dumber ones. Um, we probably do not need to hear, as they do in the States, the one where like a mother calls because her child is choking and they just play it because it's dramatic. But in the case of being able to play people calling because their pizza's late or something like that, uh, it'd be fun to hear it in their own voice, just how dumb they are. Nearly half of Mississauga and Brampton residents who call 911 aren't doing so for legitimate emergencies. Well, when they say nearly half, that's a bit of a, an inflated figure, it's 40%. But still, one of the things here is not all of them are people committing mischief. A lot of them are butt dials. And the worst of it is that some people will accidentally call 911, then they see that it's ringing and they immediately hit the red button, but maybe it got picked up by the operator. And then the operator has to call back because maybe you were kidnapped and the kidnapper took away your phone. So as officials said yesterday in taking the wraps off the latest figures, they said valuable time and resources are lost. Believe it or not, last year, Peel paramedics responded to more than 140,000 calls, which makes them one of the busiest paramedic services in the country. Um, and speaking of emergency calls, I, I spend a lot of time, there's a fire hall in the corner. And because I walk the dog and they like to sit outside when the weather's nice, we've struck up a few friendships, including one of the captains who... You know, we'll text back and forth and I'll say, come in with the dog, let's have a yak, which we did last night. But they will tell me some hilarious stories about some of their calls. I think my favorite was they were called to kind of a Tony apartment complex because there was a gas leak. And when they knocked on the door of one of the units, the woman said, you can come in, but you have to take off your boots. Okay, we won't scuff your floor while trying not to have this place demolished by a gas explosion. So another Monday, another day, another shooting spree, this one in Louisville. It was an office place shooting where a guy who was actually what had been fired or was about to be fired went to the bank with a gun 
and opened fire. Five people were killed, including, as the governor revealed, uh, a very, very good friend and mentor of his. I have a very close friend that didn't make it today. And I have another close friend who didn't either, and one who's at the hospital that I hope is, is going to make it through. Okay. Well, as many people have been pointing out on social media, this same governor opposed a bill to introduce gun regulations in his state and is a popular speaker at the NRA. So, you know, stuff is going to happen for as long as Americans do not come to their senses about guns. And it's not just about the availability of guns in the United States. People are always pointing out, you know, they're gun crazy in the United States. Canadians own a lot of guns. We have target shooters, probably an awful lot of farmers would have a gun. Um, people in Canada own guns. And yet, we have very, very few shooting sprees. And I know people can point to some that we have had, but it's nothing like the States. I mean, so far in 2023, 11,523 people have died by gun violence in the U.S. 11,523. Now, yes, death by suicide makes up 57% of that. But here's the takeaway when it comes to guns and suicide. First of all, it's the availability of the gun in the house when somebody is suicidal. If there was no gun, they might never have tried. Two, Shooting yourself is pretty well the most effective way to kill yourself. Other people attempt suicide with all kinds of other means and they fail. So it's the availability of a gun in the house that is not properly secured. And then there are accidents and we have those in Canada too. You know, people aim a gun at somebody at a party because they think it's funny and they pull the trigger. It turns out it was loaded. Uh, kids are playing games in the house with a long gun and again point a gun at somebody pull the trigger turns out that it uh, it was loaded and there have been 146 mass shootings in the US this year 146 yesterday was the hundredth day of the year so it's more than one a day there have been 13 school shooting sprees uh, and incidentally, a mass shooting event is defined as more than four people hit. If you go through, because there's websites where they compile all this stuff, if you go through the list, quite often there's a mass shooting event, but it was four people got hit, all of them survived. But I'm sure they're not exactly happy about the whole situation. So Ontario's top court gave its reason, reasons yesterday for having rejected Dellen Millard's murder appeal. Remember, he's the guy who, along with an accomplice, kidnapped and murdered a guy while taking a truck for a test drive. Then they discovered that his girlfriend had vanished. Her body was never found, but he was convicted of her murder as well. And his father's death was ruled to be a suicide at the time, but they went back over the evidence and charged him with murder and convicted him. And something I don't quite understand, and maybe I'll have to talk to some clever lawyers about this, I always thought that an appeal could only be launched if some sort of legal mistake had been made at your first trial, not if you just wanted everybody to rehear all the evidence. But Dellen Millard 
introduced, and he was acting on his own behalf, all kinds of evidence that he said contradicted the evidence that was shown at trial. And maybe some of this stuff is about legal precedent, because some of it was about his cell phone and where it was, and he insisted somebody else had the cell phone. But again, that could have been heard at first trial. But anyway, um, in a very terse release, the court said, forget it. <laughs> You're going to stay in jail. There's nothing new here. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.